Hi, everyone. I'm excited to welcome again, Julianne. Thank you so much for hopping on today. Thanks for having me, Debbie. Really excited to be here. I love chatting with you. I always learn so much. I think we have such a good time sharing some of the real candid, you know, um, things that come up during prenatal and postpartum period. So it's always a fun conversation. So thanks for, for getting on today. Thank you. The topic of today, though, is value of support. This really brings me to the whole reason why our, you know, our videos and our podcasts are put out there. It's about bringing people back to the village. And I would often tell families, oh, you know, it's okay to get someone in to help walk the dog and it's okay to get someone in and maybe make you some meals and it's okay to get a cleaning lady. And I would kind of dance gently around the topic and they never really got it. They still mm. thought they had to do it all. So this year I've been telling families, and I've said this a few other times in our recordings, um, I'm being blunt about it and telling them that if you're doing it by yourself, you're doing it wrong. Right. And now they're getting it. So mm -hmm. I feel like sometimes we have to be right out there and just say what we're thinking. And in all honesty, this was never meant to be done alone. Mm -hmm. And somewhere over the last five years, it started to become where we had to do everything by ourselves mm -hmm. and we had to look great doing it. So really important topic in, in terms of the value of support. So share a little bit of, with us about what that looks like, because there's so many different types of support. So yeah, well, I think this calls back to this, um, you know, this proverb that we all have heard about, it takes a village to raise a child. Um, and I do think that, you know, it is designed to be done in community. So parents need that community care. And there are different forms of support. Um, there can be peer support, which of course is coming from friends. Um, there can be family support, which is coming from relatives, uh, partner support, of course, that can come from your partner, but not e even some mothers don't even have, you know, don't have that. Um, and then there are some professional supports like, um, you know, that's the work that I do as a registered perinatal support worker. Um, you know, and then there might even be professional support can also include osteopathy, you know, pelvic floor physiotherapy, um, you know, mental health support. So there's a lot of different sources of support that, um, that can sort of make up the modern village. That's amazing. Well, maybe you can share a couple of common problems um, or complaints that you've heard from parents in terms of support and not having it. Maybe that's something you can share with us for, for those new parents out there listening. Right. So generally speaking, I would say um, in today's world, most families lack support. So they don't have enough of that support system, um, you know, to carry them through in the postpartum season. Um, and sometimes that's just because we don't always think, you know, actually think about our support systems. And then we get to postpartum and we realize, oh, <laughs> um, I need more help. Uh, and we don't even know if we're allowed to ask for more help. But the truth of the matter is that asking for help is a really, really important part of becoming a parent. We need to be able to learn to ask for help. Um, and I think one of the barriers for parents and mothers to not ask for help is they think it reflects poorly on their ability. But if we can just normalize this idea that, you know, motherhood, parenthood is meant to be done in community. It was never meant to be a solo job. Um, I think that's really important. The other thing to understand about support 
is that the research has demonstrated really clearly over and over and over again that you know support um, can actually have a protective effect for you against postpartum depression. So it is really key in terms of you know postpartum well-being, postpartum health, um, and just helping families thrive. So I'm really, really passionate about this topic for that reason. That's amazing. Well, let's give some tips. Yeah, so in terms of sounds support, good. Let's talk about um, what kinds of things can parents have? I'm just thinking if I should give you some examples. So let's talk about some, some average things. So support, obviously, for the baby. What kinds of support, support would be baby. that might be for the baby? Okay, so specifically for the baby, um, you know, if you're thinking about peer and family and partner, obviously it would be people in your, you know, in your support circle who might actually help to change a diaper, to uh, do skin on skin with the baby, to hold the baby while you're resting or showering, um, that kind of thing. Professional support for the baby could include an osteopathy visit so that um, if they sometimes babies have really tight neck muscles and that can interfere with the breastfeeding process. So having a treatment for your baby that way, of course, the well baby visits, that's a form of support for the baby. You have, you know, your family physician, your nurse practitioner that's, you know, weighing the baby and checking in on the baby. Um, we could say the lactation <laughs> consultant is for like mom, but really also for the baby, right? So some Absolutely. of these things are like for both. So there's a lot, a lot of different things that you can, you know, access for babies. Great. Now let's talk about the, the more domestic things. So things like walking the dog, keeping the house clean, doing yeah. the laundry, those types of things. Yeah. So, um, you know, I've said this on a previous podcast, but a lot of times we put a lot of energy into this piece regarding, you know, the birth. So we think, oh, I have a pet. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to look at putting my pet into um, maybe like a, a pet service, a pet care service, you know, while, while I'm in the hospital, while I've had my baby. But it's a really great idea to extend some of those services beyond then. So um, I've had clients who have put you know, sent pets away to family, friends, or, you know, to these businesses, these services that that are kennels that keep uh, their pets overnight for a few days during the early weeks of postpartum so that they could just have one less thing to kind of do one less thing to one less responsibility, right? Yeah. And um, even a dog walker on that note, even if it was just yeah. a dog walker that came a couple of times a day and took the dog for a walk. Yeah, exactly. Like Other things to consider might be um, keep your housekeeper. A lot of times are, you know, depending on your maternity leave situation, you know, maybe your income is shrinking a little bit during that time. And so then we tend to sacrifice those things, but those are the things that we need. So um, maybe consider, you know, instead of looking at it as a black and white, maybe consider the middle of the road and say, okay, well, maybe I can have them come every other week instead of every week, you know, like the previous arrangement, but consider, try to find ways to sort of prioritize some of those support services. Um, yeah, and That's I mean, great. yeah. And, any, we, and we, you and I help. both have talked in the past about this job jar 
thought as well, where if there are a lot of things that you want done that you can't get to, which is expected, Mm -hmm. toss them in a little container on a piece of paper. And when people come over, they genuinely want to help anyway. So they they say to you, what can I do? Tell them to reach in the jar and see what it says. And sometimes it might say, organize my front closet or do a load of laundry for me because people want to help. So so those are even free tips. Exactly. (laughs) And it's just, even if it feels a little bit uncomfortable to ask for help, um, again, it's a muscle that we really need to develop. So just keep, keep asking, keep, it doesn't mean that you're not capable. It means that you're actually, um, you know, recognizing what your needs are and asking for what you need is a sign of strength is a sign of, of health. And, um, so yeah, I think the job jar is really excellent. And honestly, those practical helps can come in all forms. Like I think of, you know, a client who they decided, you know what, Um, we're both off for a few weeks. So we had originally canceled our snow removal service because we figured, oh, we'll do it. They called their snow removal person again and said, okay, we need you to come back. So any little thing that somebody else can do for you, um, setting up a meal train, all those little things that can help. But again, I, I love the job jar idea, of course. And it, it, it helps to develop that asking for help muscle, but maybe in a little bit of more of a comfortable way where you're not putting people on the spot. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think that's a thing is a lot of us think, well, I'm home for a year so I can clean the house. I can make the meals. I can not realizing like you're, you're just leaving one full-time job for another full-time job. (laughs) You're not actually home for a year. Exactly. So it's important to shed that light. Here's something we, we maybe haven't touched on that some families are going through, but what about help with older children? Okay, yeah, excellent. Definitely uh, having childcare arrangements or continuing with childcare, even though you're home. Because again, a lot of parents think, well, we're off now. So, you know, it saves money, they, they can, you know, pull their child out of daycare, they save money that way. Um, but even just reducing the amount of days and having a handful of days a week where you know, the older child will be in daycare, um, you know, or any programs, that um, might be available day programs in the summertime, I think is worth worthwhile asking friends and family to, you know, weekly, maybe set up a weekly thing where the grandparents, if they're available and they live nearby, can take the older child or older children, um, you know, just getting really creative about that. Uh, and again, I think I think the thing that does happen is we try and do it all in postpartum and we actually, you know, instead of keep continuing with some of these support systems or instead of planning for them, we push them off to the side because we think, oh no, now we'll be home. So we're going to do it, but it's really important to have those supports in place so that, yeah, you can focus on your new full-time job, Job, AKA your newborn. (laughs) Which is so true. And I'll tell you when my little ones were born. So I had my oldest was 16 months when my twins came and um, I had a couple of very good friends in the, in the same community as me that had children around the same time. And you know what we, we were, how do we do this? We, we really can't afford daycare. We can't afford, mm-hmm. you know, a nanny. So we exchanged care. So on Monday, I took her older child to play with my older child, which actually was helpful to me because it entertained her. Mm-hmm. And then on Wednesday, she would take my older child. So that gave me time with the twins alone and, and gave her daughter some company. So, you know, really it's part of that village and that village that we talk about, yes, you know, your breastfeeding consultant and your PNSW and your RMT and your awesome 
osteopath and all these people, but even thinking about the friends in your community that might yeah. be going through the same thing as you, that you can support each other and just give yeah. your, give each other one day off. Right. Of, of yeah. That, that peer support piece is really big. Um, and so even just to develop that and, you know, and, and give it some time, some people are new to the area, so they don't necessarily have that. Um, so then it's finding, places where you know you'll meet other mothers whether it's um an online class or you know certain programs and just you know making taking that step to create some of those connections because you're right that peer support is really really important and when there are other barriers to accessing other types of support often the peer support can come in and fill those gaps as well yeah. And I know now with social media, it's quite easy. You know, 20 years ago, we couldn't find each other in our community unless we're yeah. walking around the block. Yeah. But with social media, it's easier now to go, hey, you know, I've got a, a newborn or a three-year-old. Does anyone else have a three-year-old that maybe yeah. you want to do That's some right. play dates with? So. Use social media for that. Join local moms groups on, you know, on social media uh, platforms and connect that way. Yeah. yeah. You're right. Yeah. And, you know, I want to wrap up the com- this conversation with what we really started with before we, before we even started the record button was, and that's why I saved this for the very end is mental health, yeah. specifically perinatal or maternal mental health, whatever word you want to use. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't start with that question because everything we just talked about impacts our mental health. Absolutely. So tell us a little bit about what you've seen and, and how these things have hindered or helped each parent. Right. So um, definitely parents that have more support tend to have a better transition or tend to have more, um, more resiliency in terms of um, coping with, you know, challenges and that come your way in the postpartum season, right? And people who lack support, this is when I see mothers get very exhausted very quickly. They don't recuperate as well. Um, and again, sometimes it's a mindset issue where you could ask for help, but you feel that it re- you're worried that it reflects poorly, so you don't. Um, so really, um, I would stress that it's really important to reach out for help and to really understand that it's normal to need that help. Um, and if you understand that support impacts your mental health, then that can be a motivator for you. You're investing in your well-being. You're investing in your future as well. Um, by asking for help, by getting support, because again, we know the research is really clear that social support help has a protective effect. It helps to protect you against postpartum depression. So it's really valuable. Yeah, we know that, you know, maternal mental health is often driven by hormones or by history. Um, But all these things that we talked about today certainly impact the severity or how quickly we can bounce back and be resilient. That's right. And to your point, you're right. There are other risk factors for maternal mental health, for perinatal or postpartum mood disorders. Um, There's different, you know, different titles floating around there to describe that experience. Um, So, yeah, there's definitely other risk factors that you might have, but by... um, by paying attention to that support piece and, you know, asking for help, you're still going to benefit from it, even if you have other risk factors. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, we, we talked about so many great tips, getting support, getting sleep, eating better, getting some care for a baby, even the education piece, you know, we didn't mm-hmm. really touch on that, but even learning about 
your baby and mm-hmm. certain things or quirks or, or things, you know, newborn care topics, but all these things together are that support in that village that are going to maybe take your mental health from a 10 or from a one up to a 10, you know, it's going to make it better. It's going to so, make it better. Yeah. And learning about maternal mental health, about postpartum mood disorders, what are the symptoms? What are the signs? And it can be a little bit, um, you know, a little bit challenging to engage with those topics, especially if we, you know, have fear of that happening or, but it's really important to be educated on those topics because we know that um, another thing with maternal mental health is that sometimes when you have something like postpartum depression, it can drag on and on and on. And part of the reason is that we don't know the signs. So we think, oh, I'm just exhausted because I have a new baby. You know, it's, this is just exhaustion or you don't really want to say anything because you don't want people to look at you in a different way or, you know, um, and so just knowing the signs will help you to ask for help um, at an early stage in the game, in the, in the experience of, you know, postpartum depression and the sooner you can get help, the better. Yeah, I love this. I love that, you know, we've talked several times about all the things that we can do to help and prevent. Um, but, you know, it's so important to, to sit down and write your postpartum plan early on so that mm-hmm. you're not now trying to think about how do we get the help when you're exhausted and you're hungry and you're mm-hmm. struggling and your mental health is already being challenged. So it's a great suggestion just to sit down, even if it's with an expert, yeah. just doing a quick call and saying, hey, what are all the things I need to think about? Help yeah. me kind of devise a plan. Um, all that's going to make a big difference. So thank you so much yeah. for, for sharing all that great wisdom. Um, love you so much. Where can everybody find you? I love you too. Um, everybody can find me at positivebirthservices.ca. I'm on Facebook under that same um, handle, under that same name. And then I am actually on Instagram as Positive Postpartum. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Julianne. And thanks everybody for joining in today. Thanks.